Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. All right, turn your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. From verse 3, it says, Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed, and some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, because they had no roots, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded up a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 22. Now he who received the seed among thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, can you say the cares of this world? The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Unfruitful. Listen, this is, this is such a huge subject in the body of Christ today. Such a huge subject in the body of Christ today. When you look at many believers, you wonder why is it that many believers are unfruitful. It seems as if many of us are ever learning, but never able to come to the point of truth. Why is it that when we are faced with the trials and the challenges of life, not many people do us well? Why? Why do we come to church? Why do we hear the word of God repeatedly? If what we learn does not gain preeminence on Monday through to Saturday, why do we keep coming? And it's not about how viable the seed of the word of God is. Sometimes it's not even about the soil. Sometimes there are just some other things that compete with the word and render it unfruitful. Are you with me this morning? And it is those things that we want to deal with. Because you see, what makes you a good farmer is not just the ability to pick the right viable seed and to pick the right viable soil. You must also evacuate everything that competes for the health of that seed. Remove things that will not allow that, that seed to thrive, to grow. If you are not careful, you will fall into what I call the Samson syndrome, where you are so strong in the manifestation of the spirit, but everybody looks at every other aspect of your life and is wondering, what are you doing? It, it's, it's almost as if the wisdom of God is not filtering into those aspects of your life. Have you ever seen believers, you know, 
the choices that they make in business, the way they treat people in the office, maybe the way they raise their children, or the way they treat, you know, just people generally, and you're like, <laughs> it, it looks like a contradiction. Like, why are you acting this way? Maybe you've never had to question in your mind, you know, the way someone is acting. Praise the name of the Lord. It's something to deal with. Otherwise, we will not truly, actually be growing. Because what we call spiritual growth is theology influencing our thoughts and actions. That's what spiritual growth is. Theology influencing our thoughts and actions. And so, when what we are learning is no longer filtering into how we act, we're not growing. No matter how much you know, if it doesn't influence how you act, you're not growing. So there are two extremes in the body of Christ. There are those who, no matter what you're teaching, they just want to know what is practical. It's almost as if, if what you're saying cannot immediately affect their finances or make them look finer, it's not relevant. But you see, first and foremost, we love the word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? We just, we just love the word of God. There is no aspect of the word of God that does not interest us. But there is another extreme where our teachings are repeatedly and consistently grandiose and sophisticated but irrelevant. Every week you learn 50 new Greek words. But on, sun, on Monday you stumble. So there is that balance. Praise the name of the Lord. And so you look at how Paul the Apostle taught. In all of these books, there is a pattern. There's a pattern for dispensing New Testament truth. In the first few chapters, he tells you who you are in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He tells you who you are in Him, how rich your inheritance in Him is. You're seated with Him in heavenly places and all of that. And as a pattern, consistently, in virtually all his books, at the end of his book, he begins to tell you how that new information influences your culture, your behavior. So he begins with the revelation of your identity in Christ, and he wraps up with the implication of your identity in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he says, let he that stole still no more, lie not, meaning stop telling lies, stop stealing, because you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So where many people struggle is, they don't know how to connect the dots between the revelation and the implication. So they are ever learning but never able to come to the point of, do you understand what I'm saying? A point of conviction where they can say, okay, my life's changed. And that's why I like the way Jesus preached. He began to bring doctrinal truth into everyday contexts so that you can learn to apply the word. 
So he says, if you go to the altar to give a gift, and there you remember that someone has ought against you, he says, leave it and go and make peace with your adversary first. Now, he could have just taught on forgiveness. You understand what I'm saying? That, that's a teaching on forgiveness. He could have just taught on forgiveness. How many times the word forgiveness was used in the Bible? You know, what the Greek word is, what it means, the, the etymology of the word, and all of that. But by the time he brings it to a context, he's giving you the opportunity for the word of God to directly affect and influence your life. So that you say, when I'm in this scenario, this is the way the word of God should guide my action. Do you get what I'm saying here? And that's so important. Because it is possible, just like what Paul said, to have faith to move mountains, to speak in tongues of men and of angels, and still not have a love walk. Have you seen people like that? Who know the word but have no love walk? I'm asking a question. How do you, so, so, have you ever, you know, been among some Christians and the jealousy in their midst, the envy, the strife, the competition? You, you, but when it's time to pray, ah, <laughs> you know, you're seeing a lot of fire. But when it's time to pray, you know, I mean, you give them an A. But every other thing, you just, they're difficult people to be around. Difficult. So he says, you can have faith to move mountains, speak in tongues of men and of angels, and still not have a love walk. So what's his approach to solving that problem, that conundrum, that contradiction among some believers? He breaks it down. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not seek his own. Do you understand? So that in exact scenarios, you can say, okay, this is, it's one thing for you to tell people walk in love. It is another thing to define love in a way that can filter into their daily life and be relevant. Are you with me this morning? You know, when I first started off in ministry, I used to preach as if everyone in the audience was me. I used to preach for myself. I used to preach what I would have enjoyed, what I would have been blessed by. <laughs> and it's a very terrible way to do ministry. Especially because, of course, you're the pastor of the church, so maybe your level of maturity is relatively higher than the average person in the church. So I just come with a lot of knowledge. You know, when you are confused, I feel deep. Praise the Lord. And then when people come to me for counseling and they're telling me what they are going through and how they handled that breakup and how they handled that loss of job, I'm, and I'm, I started wondering, <laughs> like, but I've been teaching these things and I had been teaching them, but maybe... They just needed to, are, are you getting with me? Are you, are you with me this morning? Yes, I, I needed to, in more specific terms, lay it out properly. That's how Paul taught. He, 
He had the ability to scan the audience and pick out the aspects of their life that needed growth. I think I said this the last time I was with you. So the church at Corinth, oh, they spoke in tongues well. You know, they were very evangelical. They were, you know, all these other things they were getting right. He said, see that you excel in this giving grace also. But they were not generous. Excel in this giving grace also. Praise the Lord. He commended them for being full of knowledge and utterance in chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. The testimony of Christ is confirmed in you. He probably would have told another church about Corinth, learn from their charismatic gifts and their interest in the things of God. But he wanted Corinth to work on their generosity. And that's what we're trying to do this month. Why is it that many people in the body of Christ know a lot of theology, but still, you know, just like Jesus said, the thorns, he called them the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. So you come to church, you hear the word of God, and you're pumped, make no mistake, you're excited. But you know that the next day you are going to carry your CV from office to office again. And you are handling constant rejection. Who asked you to bring your CV here? Did, we, did, did, we, did you see any advert out? We're not looking for anybody. Praise the Lord. How do you handle that? Can I tell you something? It is how you handle that that determines if you understood the word you heard or not. Oh, that's, that's the real deal. Otherwise, we'll be like teachers. Have you seen teachers who would teach something in the class? Everybody will be excited. You understand it? You understand it? Then exam time, everybody fails. And you're wondering, what happened? He will finish teaching. Any question? No. We hardly ever have any question. But when the test comes, so why is it that maybe you've been a member of this church for so long? You know about the grace message, you know about your charismatic ministry, you know, you know, but secretly, maybe on IG, there is this lady that you are competing with. And after church, on your way back, you will still check her profile just to be sure that she doesn't have more followers or more likes than you do. Praise the Lord. So maybe... We need to handle the specifics. Not maybe. <laughs> Not maybe. So, when Paul is done teaching on Christian identification, he now brings it to a marriage context. Husbands love your wives. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Wives submit to your husbands. And you know, Peter said something. I said, how did you know? He said, husbands, don't be bitter at your wives. Because he knows 
that bitterness can filter into a marriage. It's still be bitter. So just in case you didn't understand all the Greek words he had been mentioning before. This is how the love of God finds expression in your direct context. So today we want to talk about dealing with insecurity. Dealing with... So, I gave that introduction so you don't make the mistake of relegating this kind of teaching to something that is for babes. And it's a real struggle. Can I tell you something? Even amongst men of God, it is my experience, my personal experience, that men of God battle insecurity, maybe more than any other people group. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? It's a struggle. Many of the terrible experiences we've had in church is because of insecurity. Insecurity. When you have, maybe you are mentoring, you have a son in the Lord, and then he's doing well, you know, in God, practicing the things you taught him, and it becomes a problem. And then you now try to micromanage the guy, making sure he doesn't really have good platforms, you know, do, do, you know and all these kind of things. This is not a minister's conference, but I'm just trying to let you know it is something even people who, who know a lot in the word of God struggle with. So what did I say we're talking about today? First of all, this is not a psychological class. <laughs> There are many, maybe helpful psychological approaches to this, but we're here to deal with this from the word of God. Are you with me this morning? Mm -hmm. So, we are only going to dwell on the scope of the word. And if you ask me, as far as this is concerned, the word of God is enough. Praise the name of Jesus. There is nothing else that helped me with insecurity other than the word of God. Personal testimony. Personal testimony. I look to the word. The word of God is enough. I'm not saying that because I'm trying to be religious or rigid. It's just my personal testimony. What is insecurity? <laughs> it simply means to not feel confident about yourself or about your capacity. To not feel confident about yourself or your capabilities. That's what it means to be insecure. <laughs> well, there are a few symptoms. Few symptoms. Have you seen people who cannot accept compliments? <laughs> I asked a question. Have you seen people who cannot accept compliments? Just tell them, oh, your hair is nice. And immediately, automatically they try to re respond in a way that downgrades or downplays what you're saying. You say, oh, you know, giving an excuse to sweep aside what you said. How about you just say thank you? Thank you. Nice shirt. Oh, it's my brother's own. I, I didn't ask you. You, know, you, didn't, I, you didn't need to say that. It's, 
it looks nice on you. Praise the Lord. Can't take a compliment. You must always explain it away. Oh, you did well. Oh, is this your work? It's so nice. You see, I, in fact, I, I didn't even really have enough time. That's, you, you can see the arrows. You know, he will start pointing the arrows to you. You say thank you. There are believers who struggle with things like this. That some others, their own expression of insecurity is the opposite. They want to put their success in your face. All the time. Even when it doesn't count. When no one asks them, oh, you got a new phone? What phone is this? iPhone 6? Oh, I just got iPhone XR. You know. Okay, congratulations. <laughs> what else do I say? I'm happy for you. Oh, you have this pen? I have four. Always in competition. Even when it doesn't count. Some others... They are always critical, always judgmental. Because by being judgmental, they hide their insecurity and inadequacy. So they want to be the first to point a finger. Have you seen people who you can, you can never do anything to please them? You can never be correct in their eyes? Always. And such people, they can't receive correction. Have you seen people who like to correct but never like to be corrected? I mean, these are things we struggle. These are things you might even see in your service group in church. You might even see in choir, you know, in choir, in, in media team, in the protocol team. There are struggles you may see. Praise the Lord. Because you're, you're growing in your prayer life. You're, you're growing. But you need to deal with this thing. Not the person by your side gently say, deal with it, deal with it, deal with it. <laughs> there are those who always expect others to make them happy. They feel that the, all the things they don't have in life is because people, the people around them did not do something about it. Praise the Lord. And I'm sharing on this topic based on a simple premise. Simple premise. Nothing, nothing solves the problem of insecurity like an increased consciousness of who you are in the Lord. Nothing. I we just want to explore that. I'll give you examples. Give you a few more bullet points and then we close. Nothing. Nothing solves a problem. Like a genuine encounter. A genuine consciousness of who you are in the Lord. You see, God has a track record of using weak people. And turning them around and turning them to formidable weapons in his arms. 
Hallelujah. People who no one believed in. People who thought, um, people who others thought would not amount to much. You know, when God handles them, you'll be amazed. Just like the Pharisees seeing the disciples of Jesus, knowing these, these are fishermen. These are not learned men. And they begin to marvel at their confidence. And the Bible says they reckon that they had been with the Lord. Praise the Lord. He has a track record. I'm telling you, many people doing great for God. Check their history. Check out where they started, how they started. All that God needed to walk on them with, you know, walk them through. You'll be amazed. Think about Moses. Oh, Moses was insecure to the teeth. Are you listening to me? <laughs> you know, have you seen people who, when you tell them what, what you're planning, they begin to give you reasons why it won't work? First of all, you just may need people like that around you once in a while. Because they, they are very good at discovering loopholes. <laughs> so just bring them so that at least you can work on what you need to work on. But, but there is an extreme you know, aspect to that. They never see a way forward. Moses was like that. Do you know what God had to go through to convince Moses of the call on his life? He kept asking questions that will reveal the impossibility of the task. He asked about five or six questions. So God shows up. He sees a burning bush that is not consumed. Look at Exodus chapter 3. I'll show you a few things there. <laughs> and he says, well, I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you can tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Do you know what Moses said? Look at me. Do you know what Moses said? He said, who am I to go to Pharaoh? And say, you should let the people go. He said, who am I? Maybe you should read that. I think that was verse 11, right? Exodus chapter 3. The Bible says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? That great Moses you always read about, this is where his mindset was before. He said, me? Who am who I be? He didn't think he was capable. He said, say that again. Me, Moses, I should go to Pharaoh and tell him, he said, no. <laughs> you need to find someone with more experience. And God replied, said, I will be with you. This is a direct word to someone here. I said, and God replied and said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with you. What, what do you mean, who are you? I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, you're with me. I still have another question. Who do I say sends me? If I go and say, okay, God said, let the people go. Then they ask me, what is his name? What do I say? God was patient, responding. He said, I am that I am. Tell the children of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your fathers has sent you. This shall be my name forever. Oh, okay. That's good. 
Don't be angry. I still have another question. What if they don't believe? What if they don't believe? Look, look at Exodus chapter 4 verse 1. Exodus chapter 4 verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. What then do I say? <laughs> and so God said, What's that in your hand? He said, It's a rod. Drop it on the floor. He dropped it on the floor. He turned to a serpent. Pick it up. He picked it up. He turned back to her. God was persuading him, convincing him. Even after that great miracle, he still wasn't done. He said, okay, okay. Now I know how I can face Pharaoh and tell him what you have said. I should tell him. Now I know who has sent me. Now I know what to do if they don't believe. I still have more questions though. See, there's one problem you did not consider. Is he telling God that? I'm not eloquent. You expect me to be talking? Face a crowd and talk? I'm not eloquent. How do we handle that? God said, okay. Call Aaron. He will be your mouthpiece. I will put my words in your mouth. And then he will echo what you have said. So he kept bringing problems. God kept bringing the solutions. <laughs> when he saw that God wasn't going to accept any excuse that he was making, he now came to the final thing. He said, you know what? Find someone else. <laughs> That's all I've been trying to say since. Find someone else. And the Bible says God was angry. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Some of you, you are knowing God. You are knowing, you know, he's, he's been trying to tell you, listen, this is my plan for your life. I'm going to use you. I'm going, and you're showing him reasons why it won't work. And, you know, you're just like, find someone else. Praise the Lord. Why not someone else? Exodus 4.13. I like what God said. In verse 15, the second part of verse 15. Turn the Bibles, Exodus chapter 4, verse 15b. <laughs> Let me just read the whole thing. It says, now you shall, you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, that's Aaron, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. Everybody read the last statement together, one to go. And I will teach you what you shall do. I will teach you. Like, why are you acting as if I'm just calling you to go all out by yourself? I'm there. I'll teach you. So it's just beautiful and encouraging to see how God walked Moses through the process. So I'll teach you. Don't worry. I'll teach you. Oh, I'm shy. I can't talk before an audience. I'll teach you. Don't worry. They won't believe you. I will be with you. Hallelujah. Well, I don't really know you that well. Who do I say sent me? This is who I am. And I'm going to reveal yet more. Trust me. Praise the name of Jesus. As it applies to you, 
Maybe it's your future you are insecure about. Or the assignments he has given to you, you are insecure about. He's saying, I, I will teach you. I'll teach you. I will help you. I will guide you. In fact, for now, all he's asking you to do is to believe. To say, okay, okay, okay. Help me. Let's go. Let me give you another example. The example of Jeremiah. You know, these are great men of God. You, you know, when you're reading this, you are amazed. Ah, I remember <laughs> when it began to dawn on me the gravity of the call on my life. Then I became afraid. As if it was not enough. Almost every meeting I attended, a man of God there would prophesy. There was a particular guy I began to avoid. I went to a Bible school. During the break time, I'm sipping on a drink. He just comes. The Lord is going to use you. He's really going to use you. You will plant churches. You will heal the sick. You see? I said, okay, thank you, sir. Next day, I'm sipping on my drink. You see? I'm seeing it again. He, so, the third day when I saw him, I dodged. Like, just leave me alone. Do you understand? Like, I just got born again. Are, are you with me? I just got born again. They could not leave me. Okay, I've heard. So then I'm in a prayer meeting in school. One man begins to prophesy. You know, as, as, as the prophecies were going forth, I just laid on the floor and started crying. Because the things they were saying, many of the things we are saying today were said years ago. I was like, God, like, how is this going to happen? So I remember leaving that meeting and like saying, God, okay, really? You said you will use me to be a blessing to this school like no one else before me. Like, <laughs> I'm always laughing. Like, and I'm just all the doubts. Okay, I'm going to plant churches. All right. The next day I went for the meeting. The person was prophesying. He said, and I know. The Lord says, I saw you when you were asking questions and saying, how will it happen? You know, ah, ah. I'm like, guys now. Do you understand? He said, and you, I see your doubt. I see you. And I've told you I will use you. Hey! Praise the Lord! So I said, okay. Okay. And he told me what he told Moses. I will teach you. Do you understand? I'll teach you. I'll teach you. I'll teach you. When someone is, who is good at something, maybe Usain Bolt comes to you and he wants to prepare you for your inter-house sports competition in your school. Yeah. I, I'm just letting you know how great God is, you know, and how small the challenges you are faced with, you know, are compared to him and his capability and what he can do through you. 
and you're telling us about her. In my secondary school, people can really run. Ah, have you seen runners before? Come, come to my school, you know? And that's how ridiculous it is. And he's saying, I'll teach you. I'll teach you. Just, in fact, just accept. Come to the training ground. I'll show you. I'll teach you. There is time to prepare. I'll teach you. Praise the Lord. Ah, God set you up today. Because these words will haunt you. You know? <laughs> you have no excuse again. God is using me to confirm so many things. Because this year, there will be no delay in your life. Didn't you hear? It's the year of the movement. Movement. You are going to take decisive steps in the direction of the leading of God. No more having plans and PowerPoints and just showing your friends, ah, this is what the Lord said. This is the year to move. This is the year to move. No more having pictures on your phone about what the business will look like, the shops will look. This is the year to move. Listen, because no matter how grounded you are on theology and how great your prayer life is, if you are insecure, you can't do great for God. You can't. So it's high time you believe what he said. And you just stand up and move. You move in the name of Jesus. Oh, you have a call on my life. I move. This is the year to walk on water. No more excuses. Hallelujah. No more accommodating seven reasons why you can't do it. One reason is enough. God is with me. Hallelujah. God is with me. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Did you hear what I said? Hallelujah. In the past one month, I've gotten interesting messages from different people. Fulfilling prophecy. And it's very difficult to comprehend with the natural mind. People were asking for churches, you know, wherever they are. You know. Strangers, I mean. Someone messaged me. He said, I've listened... He said, I've listened to all the sermons on the website. Someone in the UK. He said, I, I just want you to know. He said, if God sends you here, the day you come, just call me. <laughs> he said, I will pick you from the airport and I will support. He said, count me. Just count me in. He said, just call me. He said, I'm your worker already. <laughs> That's what he said. And then people were talking, okay, U.S. Now, we're talking about starting a branch in Canada. Someone else is saying we need two branches. That Canada is big. You see, where I am is far from where Pastor Bright is. Do you understand? So he, let them start there. You, he's telling me that you come. <laughs> I'm living with us for like two years. He said, my wife can sing. You know, me and my wife can sing. I'm telling you. <laughs> 
So I understand, okay, Canada, yeah, UK, US. Someone was here on Wednesday for the midweek service. He said, it's nice to finally be here. I'm just here on break. I'm based in the US. I've been following this ministry. Nice to finally hear you preach live. So I want to ask you, when are you coming to the US? You understand? I'm like, <laughs> I just came back to Lagos. Don't let Lagos people hear you. <laughs> you, know, you know, the one that now shocked me said, uh, we're in France. When are you coming to France? I said, make I learn French because of you. <laughs> but I said all that to say this. Believe me when I say it. When God said, oh, this will happen, I was overwhelmed. Now, the vision is moving faster than we have venues to cater for. That's what's happening. It's faster. So we are playing catch up. Like, okay, there are people following us here. The people, oh, what are we going to do? We've not even spoken about Portacot and all of that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I'm telling you, when God said these things, I was crying. You know the bold, confident pastor Aaron? He was crying. He laid on the floor like that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I had questions too. Now, I'm a soldier. There is no way I can't go. The way God taught me, he's saying he will teach you. Look at Moses. How bold he was. When you read how we started, I mean, you're probably amazed. And Moses, Moses, you had all these questions. Moses was asking God, you know, all those excuses. That's how you, two years from now, when you were telling people, oh, I was so scared. I didn't know how to go about it. And God used this sermon on January of 2020 to prepare me. They would be like, are you sure? You're just trying to be motivational. You, you were, you. You, you were ever insecure about what God has asked you to do? <laughs> it will be hard for people to imagine. Say loud, amen. amen. That's how much confidence is going to infuse into you. Look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah responded like a Nigerian when God called him. You will see. You will see what I'm saying. Jeremiah 1.4. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Behold, Sorry, before I formed you in the womb, I knew thee. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. Then I said what? <laughs> then I said what? I want to hear you loud. Then I said what? He said, that's very Nigerian. He said, ah, Lord God. He said, I cannot speak. I'm, I'm, I'm just a li little boy. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Nations? Me? I'm just a young boy. I like the way God responded. He said, don't say that. Don't say you are small. Don't say you are too young. Don't say the project is too expensive. 
Don't say the vision is too big. Don't say that. Hallelujah. Then in verse 9, the Bible says, God stretched his hand and touched his lips. And said, I've put my words in your mouth. I've put my words in your mouth. Go out. Get it done. Are you with me? Ah, movement, 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 movement. Hallelujah. So, God is challenging you this morning. Change your vocabulary. Stop saying, I cannot. How can I? How will I? How will I? He, he has touched your lips. He has put his words in your mouth. Step out in boldness. Be all that he has made you to be. Stop saying you are too young. Glory to God. You know, I was preaching at a wedding recently. And you know, just as I started, of course, you know, when I go for a wedding and then the mommies and daddies are looking at me, ah, is this your pastor? Ah, so cute. You know, so, <laughs> just to encourage, so, I mean, they, you, you could see it on their faces. They were not hiding it. Ah. <laughs> you know, so, as I was preaching, you see, that's the thing. Uh, 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 uh. I like it that way because <laughs> it amplifies the excellence of the grace of God even more. Maybe if I had the stature and everything, they would be like, oh, adds up. But when you see someone like this doing that, you say, ah, oh, that's God. So, of course, I, I know all those things. What matters is I serve it in work. When, when I'm done, <laughs> just allow me to talk. Can I talk, sir? <laughs> so, you know, just to encourage the couple, I was like, you know, this year we'll make it six years. My wife and I will be married. And someone's in the audience, ah, you just they start and they laughed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then, when I was done, they started coming. One man came. He said, I've been married 40 years. I've never heard a preaching like what I heard today. He said, you have changed my marriage. You've changed my marriage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then another woman came. She just came and quoted the scripture. Let no one despise you. In my mind, I was like, no one is despising you. It's you. It's you, ma. Quote it to yourself. No one is despising. <laughs> that was a statement of repentance. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So don't say you can't do it. When God is with you, he's going to equip you. Don't say you're a little boy, a little girl. Hallelujah. You can do great things for God. He's going to equip you. Put words in your mouth. Hallelujah. So it's time to square your shoulder, chin up, and know that God is with you. Walk boldly in the will of God for your life. Accept nothing else. Mary was on her own one day, 
an angel appeared and said, highly favored of the Lord. Blessed are you amongst all women. The Bible says, you know, a lot of people, when an angel appears, they are scared of the angel. But Mary was scared at the salutation. Why did you greet me like that? It's scared at that. Like I said at the watch night service, she almost told him, check the address well. Are you sure it's here God sent you? Me, blessed amongst all women, highly favored of the Lord. A lot of people struggle with stuff like that. Me, highly favored. Me, God is with me. Oh, yes, you. Did you hear what I said? Oh, oh, yes, you. Why not you? You are highly favored of God. Highly favored of God. See, I'm highly favored of the Lord. Luke chapter 1 verse 28. The angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. <laughs> the Lord is with you. Blessed are you amongst women. The Bible says she was troubled at his saying. And considered what manner of greeting this is. Like what type of greeting is this one? Hallelujah. So I read all this to say this. God has a track record of turning insecure people into formidable weapons in his hand. The same you seated here, probably unsure of the future, what God can make of your life, you, you will be amazed in a positive way. You'll be amazed. It, it, will be, it will be hard to convince people that you were not really sure at the beginning. It will be hard. Because he's a master of this thing. He knows how to weaponize people. He knows how to take away the fear, defeat the doubts, turn timid people into champions. The Peter who wouldn't admit that he knows the Lord before a young teenage girl will stand before 3,000 people and preach the word of God with boldness. Are you with me now? That's what it's about to do with your life. Say loud, amen. Glory to God. And so this is how it transforms our life. Maybe you're, you're just a random person like me with your insecurities. You, 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 know, you know what you're capable of. You never really found an opportunity to do anything great. You know, growing up, even class captain, they didn't used to choose me. You've probably read it in my book, class captain. And so, when it was time to choose prefects, I said, ah, this one, at least, out of 30 positions, I must take one now. Our school wasn't so big. The school I attended, there were about 30 people in my class. And they were, you know, they were about, I think, four or five arms. So, in the whole set, 120, you want to pick 30 people, you don't pick me. Ah, uh now. -uh, like Joko, they picked, I didn't see my name on the list, so I said, no, no, this is not happening. I went to the principal. I said, I, I just want you to know, I have leadership capabilities, and I, <laughs> they laughed in there. 
you know, I really can do this stuff. He looked at me and chuckled in my presence. He said, <laughs> he said so which one of these positions do you think you can handle? <laughs> like humor me this. Which one of these do you think you can do? And I mentioned it. He said, you. That's what he said. He said, you? He said, okay, I've heard. I said, thank you, sir. As I went out, I knew. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He probably had a good laugh with all the other teachers. Praise the Lord. And then, in fact, before then, throw back to primary three. They eventually made me class captain. I think the person who was the class captain went to another school or something like that. So they needed a new class captain. I did well academically the, this, the term before. I, was, I came first, you know, so they picked me. Well, it lasted a few hours. <laughs> I'm telling you. The tenure was very short. <laughs> because I, I don't know what, see, I believe the devil was involved. Because, okay, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I, I'm just remembering things now as I'm talking to you. So, there was an open day in school. My mom usually comes for open day. This day, my dad said he would come. He would leave his busy schedule and come. And, you know, so our school camp collected, Mr. Iren Mr. does not play, just, and he wants to know, you know. <laughs> so I was behaving myself since morning. Around 2 p.m., my classmates just looked at me, cracked the joke, I laughed. The teacher looked, who is making noise? Go and kneel down. I tell you the truth. As I knelt, and my knee had not even touched the floor. I just saw black suit and red tie. My dad, my dad, I said, God, <laughs> it, was, it, it is finished. Hey! So, my dad walked in. He looked at me. He raised his head up, walked past me, went to the teacher. Damn it, Mr. Aaron. They now called me from the punishment position. Your dad is here. Aha. My dad was very calm, you know, just going through the books. I knew, you know, he's at home now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, well, they made me class prefect. And then it was break time. Something like okay, the, the next teacher came late, so we were playing table soccer. And the teacher came in, saw me playing table soccer. Say you, say you're no more class captain. He said, took my, I gave another person the position. I said, ah, <laughs> praise the Lord. You know, so when when you see me, you maybe you probably think I've been a leader from my mother's home. It's not true at all. It's not true. It's not true. Glory to God. In fact, you know, in 100 level, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, 
I made a big mistake. I told my, my roommates one day, I said, I, I sense very strongly that God is going to use me. <laughs> you know, boys are very wicked. <laughs> boys in the hostel, you know, that God is going to use me to, <laughs> you know, to change the school. They laughed. See, they laughed. They laughed. You know, so one day, weeks after, someone wanted to act a comedy skit. <laughs> Pay attention. Wanted to act a comedy skit, and I didn't know, know it was a comedy skit. They just wanted to act to drama or something. So they were picking roles. They just said, oh, would you like to act? I said, yes. I was already there before they told me the role I was going to act. By the way, the guy is, is a big comedian now, Ima, oh my God. So, <laughs> so I've warned him that video must never go out or otherwise we'll, we'll settle it in court. In court. So, you know, I think two years ago he did throwback video and he put it, I warned him. I said, don't try it again. Do you know who I am now? So. The role I was meant to act was that I was <laughs> that I was writing in an exam hall. I was cheating. They caught me. So <laughs> part of the drama, they grabbed me like a thief like this from the belt. I was pulling me. So when my friends saw it, they laughed again. They said, I see what you said that God said. What? This is what you mean. <laughs> God really wants to use you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Say thank you, Jesus. That's, that's how amazed they will be ab about your life. You that was the joke of yesteryears, you're going to do great things for God. Come on, say loud, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so that's, that's, that's God for you. Mary is, is amazed by the salutation. Jeremiah is saying, ah, you know, God. Moses has many questions. But God says, I will teach you all that you need to know, all that you need to be. And so you come to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And he says, but you are a chosen generation. You might not have been chosen for anything in your life, even class captain. <laughs> but in Christ, you're chosen. Did you hear what I said? Yes, Say, I'm chosen in Christ Jesus. It says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I'm royalty. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. So, listen. In Christ I realized I must truly be special. If this is what God has to say about me, why am I insecure anyway? He believes in me. Do you know what it means for God to tell you, I have a plan for your life and he's persuading you? Meaning he has seen capabilities in me that other people cannot see. Let God be true and all men liars. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm letting you know how my thought process was developed. Oh, God, 
You have a plan for my life? Me? Me? So you have to renew your mind. Oh, everybody is wrong. Everybody, oh, I'm the light of the world. I'm the salt of the earth. A city who is, that, is, that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's me. This is my destiny. I was wrong. My friends were wrong. Because in your normal sinful state, all you wanted to do is what everybody is doing. Do your best in school, get a job, you know. But in Christ, he now says, go, teach all nations. He gives you a vision that is bigger than yourself. Nothing cures insecurity like purpose. Are you with me? So when you discover God's plan for your life, you step out of insecurity. And your knowledge of God helps you conquer your fears. Confront your insecurity. So he says to Peter, he says, who do men say I am? And Peter by revelation says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he re responds and says, I say all unto you also, you are Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church. So this is how it works. The revelation of God will always birth a fresh revelation of yourself and your destiny. Do you understand what I'm saying? A fresh confidence in who you are, what you can do. So in finding Christ, I found myself. In finding Christ, I discovered that I'm stronger than I ever thought. I discovered my capacity because my purpose was always to be in him, to be found in him. So the day I discovered by revelation that he's the son of God, I discovered afresh what my destiny is. Are you with me today? You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. So he says in 1 Corinthians 1.27. Thank you, Jesus. Open your Bibles. Are you learning anything? 1 Corinthians 1.27. Maybe I should read some of the previous verses. Because of time, I won't be able to cover uh, as much as I would have wanted to. Look at verse 26. It says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Did you see that? Verse 27, read verse 27 together, one to go. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that which are mighty. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's your God. Hallelujah. So when, when God is picking people to work with, even concerning salvation, he doesn't make the salvation opportunity available to only those who are rich, those who are strong, those who are mighty. It's not a game of popularity. 
it says, listen, this is what Peter said. He said, I perceive that there is no respect of persons with God. Aren't you glad that God will always give you a chance? They might never have given you a chance before. People always looked at your stature, looked at your, you know, your family background, how fluent you are in language. But it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it turns out that our salvation and our encounter with the Lord is a reorientation. When it comes to even social influence, social acceptance. Oh, God has accepted me. He sits by the well. He's talking to you who has been married five times. Talking to you, Samaritan. He's interested. Oh, God is interested. Listen, are you getting what I'm saying? He's interested. He's interested. He's interested. I look at the way manifestations of spiritual gifts happen. How he would just pick you in the audience. You that you thought nobody knew. No one cared about. There's a lady in the Abuja church. Who, she visited the Abuja church for the reboot camp. Grand finale Sunday. You know. And as I walked to her. The Lord said. Tell her that I love her. So I walked up to her and I said. The Lord said to tell you that he loves you. And she just broke down in tears and started crying. She said the whole world had rejected her. She felt she was of no use. Do you understand? And, and now, you are there in the audience. You don't know anyone in the crowd. Okay. I, you know, I think she knew one person. And then God has a direct word for you. These are the things that help reassure you. Are you getting what I'm saying? If it was a social meeting, they will only recognize the people who have money who, do you understand, and stuff like that. But now, you come, you know, and you're fellowshipping with the saints, and there is a word of knowledge for you. Or even if you've not experienced that before, you're just studying in the word of God, and you discover his love. You discover that if you were the only human on earth, you would still be worth dying for. You need to learn how this increases your confidence. If God be for us, who can be against us? You come to a point where it doesn't really matter what anyone else has, what anyone else has to say about you. You are secure in your position with the Lord. Say loud, amen. amen. So what I think what I've said already has handled a lot. But just to give more specific keys, how then can I use the word of God to handle insecurity? I'm going to touch on this briefly and then we close. How can I use the word of God to handle insecurity? Number one, build yourself with words. Build yourself with what? With words. With words. The Bible says, he said that we may boldly say. He said, I will never leave you, not forsake you. That you may boldly say. Meaning we are, we are meant to respond to what he has said about us. 
I am a chosen generation. I am a royal priesthood to show forth the praises of him who has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I have a purpose. I have an assignment. I'm not ordinary. If God has called me, I must be really special. Anyone who doesn't think I'm special doesn't know what special is. Oh, I'm special. There's a call on my life. Oh, I know who I am in Christ. Hallelujah. I'm bold. I'm bold. I'm bold. Not in what my bank account reads. Not in what my friends have to say about me. Not in social acceptance. But in who I am in Christ. I'm bold. Build yourself with words. Did you hear what I said? Build yourself with words. In Christ, you learn to tell yourself how you are meant to feel. You tell yourself how you are meant to feel. You don't investigate how you feel. You control how you feel with the word of God. I'm not weak. I'm not empty. No, I'm not. Hallelujah. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. Build yourself with words. Maybe someone here, you need to write out confessions that you will repeat every morning. You have, to, you have to do away with all the rubbish that people have said about you that has filtered into your consciousness. You tear it down with words. Praise the Lord. Number two. You walk in faith. You walk in faith. Why am I saying this? <laughs> because, well, God says you are a chosen generation. He says you are peculiar. Well, you don't feel peculiar. So what are you going to do? You trust God. And you act like you are peculiar because he knows better than you do. If he says you are, then you are. Hallelujah. There has to be a walk of faith to this thing. It's high time your attitude stopped being responsive. The day people say, oh, you look so nice, then you're confident and you're walking happy. And the day is no, nobody greets you, you're sad. How about you just walk in faith in the confidence and the assurance of who you are in the Lord? Maybe you'll be more consistent then. Not maybe, I know you will. Walk in faith. If he has called you, Jeremiah, walk in faith. If he has called you, Moses, walk in faith. The next thing I want to talk about, celebrate small victories. Celebrate small victories. Celebrate small victories. Oh, because you see, when God uses you to handle the lion and the bear, that's an assurance when you fo fo face Goliath. Did you, did you hear what I said? Listen, the reason why many people are insecure is because they've not tried their hands on anything. They've not tried their hands on anything. 
Let me, let me demonstrate this a little. Can I have a microphone? Please get that for me. Gabriel, I know you to be an eloquent person. Gabriel is an OAP in Abuja. Come this way. Now, some of you might feel insecure if you're called to address the audience. I want to test something. So, I'm going to ask you a very difficult question. Something, you know, I've taught several times. I want to be sure that you're a good student. I'm putting you on the spot. Don't worry, I'm just joking. I just want you to say A to Z as fast as you can. One to go. A, B, C, D. You can be fast, I'm sure. A, B, C, D. Okay, hold on. Do it backwards. <laughs> Thank you. Put your hands together for him. You know, I just did that for a reason. You see, the things that make us insecure are things that we have not mastered. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are things we have not mastered. Nobody feels insecure to come here and recite A to Z. But even the things that you feel you have mastered, like A to Z, if I say do it backwards, now, now there's trouble. So I'm letting you know how important the little victories in your life are. Do you understand? You don't just go from zero to 100 in confidence one day. But if maybe the reason you are still where you are is because you've been ignoring the small things. Start doing the small things. Start doing the small things. You want to be bold to address a crowd? Join a small group. When they say who has a question, ask your question. Address them. Do you understand what I'm saying? And as you do that, God keeps building your confidence. Your confidence keeps growing. It's still a step of faith to do small things in preparation for where God is taking you to. When he brings opportunities your way, take them. We're going to talk more about this next week. What is number one? What is number two? What is number three? Number four. Laugh. Listen. Some of you experience, you know, wh what I'm about to say. Did you have any experience in primary school where people made you ashamed of something that was not deserving of shame at all? Maybe it's even your name, and they laugh about your name, and the name is actually a nice name. And it means something very powerful. But they just, they just make fun of your name, and you're saying, stop it, stop it, and you're fighting them. And the more you're aggravated by what you're doing, the more they continue. And so, I had this culture. You know, you have to be very protective of what they know about you, you know, so that they don't laugh at you. Then... I met this lady in school. Just watching her from a distance, we're not even friends, but she changed my mind forever. This lady was never embarrassed. When you laugh at her, she will laugh too. <laughs> and it just, just had a way of disarming people. It just disarmed people. You say, hey, Oimbo Pepe, and Wanda is laughing. Ah! Yeah. Why are you laughing? Because you say, I'm Oimbo Pepe. 
is true. Praise the name of Jesus. Maybe we take ourselves too seriously. Glory be to God. Laugh. You know, I, I, I watched a movie. I'm not even sure I should recommend the movie. It's not the most decent movie. I watched it, saw it years ago. But there was a lesson in the movie. There was a rap battle. I know how rap battles are. You're always trying to diss the other person in the rap. And this guy, this was his strategy. Before he started, he first dissed himself. Yoruba people do it too. Everything that you would have said, they will first say it about themselves so that when they start with you, and I'm not saying you should say or accept terrible things that are said about you. What I'm trying to say is this. There are some things that are peculiar to you that you should embrace. The reason is this. The more insecure you are, the less attractive you are. I'm telling you, there are short people who everybody likes in this church. And there are tall people who are insecure. Listen, is it pretty? <laughs> the Lord is touching people here. <laughs> Are you with me? Be confident in your own skin. Do you understand? Be confident. Be confident. Don't be too sensitive. Some of you, and this leads me to the next point. The next point is improve. Improve. The reason why you will keep being insecure is because if you were open to being corrected, you would have worked on many of the things that are making you insecure, and you would not be insecure anymore. So now you're trapped in insecurity because you take yourself too seriously. When people say, ah, oh, you know, Sabitress, you are so offended about what they said that you don't take correction. And this is not an excuse for people who tell you terrible things in terrible ways. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when it all comes down to it, just improve. Work on yourself. Work on yourself. So the previous point is about accepting what you cannot change. Accept it. Make the best use of it. That your hair that, you know, is not long, at least make it neat. Make it smell nice. For God's sake. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Accept and embrace what you cannot change. And then what you can change, change. Time is first spent, so I'm wrapping this up. The final thing I want to talk about, listen to me, believers in Christ. Apart from discovering how special you are to God, you know what else you discover? That everyone else is also. That everyone else is also. So it's a sign of growth in the Lord when you are excited about the promotion of others. Did you hear what I'm saying? Because can I tell you something? We have not addressed insecurity until we address this. There are some people, no matter the promotion they experience, if someone else is doing well also, they are not happy. I'm talking about Christians. Well, that has to change. 
So you start praying for others. Listen, prayer really works in this regard. If you pray for people, you will stop competing with them. So you make it a point of duty. You pray for people. Don't pray for yourself alone. Don't pray for your family alone. Pray for people. Especially people doing the very thing you are doing. Did you hear what I said? Especially people doing the very thing you are, you are doing. Pray for others. Pray for others. Until you can celebrate the victories of others, you are not free. It's a terrible place to be in life. You, you become a person, when good things are happening to people, they are even afraid to tell you. Because they don't know how you will take it. Isn't it terrible? Learn to thank God for other people. Celebrate the grace in other people. Praise the name of Jesus. Learn to give compliments. Insecure people can't give compliments because they think, they think it reduces them. They say, ah, you, you're very good at this thing. You do it well. It doesn't reduce you. And to work on this, if you need to take a break off social media, do it. Do it. But I think you should come to a point where you can look at your, your friends, see what they're doing, and just be happy. Praise the name of the Lord. Walk on this one. Walk on this one. Because God is not going to stop blessing people because of you. He won't. He won't do it. He won't do it. In fact, one of the most dangerous things you can do is to try to stand against someone who has the hand of God on his life. You will just you will, you will enter into the negative negative aspect of prophecy. I'm telling you, read your Bible well. Because you will become a part of the story from negative aspect. Look at the people who tried to kill Joseph. They ended up helping him fulfill the very things they were trying to stop. Are you getting what I'm saying? But hey, when you trust God, you know that, ah, I heard this powerful quote. Don't even remember where. It says, if God does something for your neighbor, it means it's in the neighborhood. It's in the neighborhood. So it's a perspective. Oh, God did this for him. He can do it for me. There are two types of people. People who see possibilities in their own life based on what God has done for others. And there are some who see limitations. They feel like the reason why they're not doing well is because others are doing well. Other people are taking all the glory. Meanwhile, the sky is fly, uh, big enough for everyone to fly. Hallelujah. So learn to celebrate people and say, ah, wow, you did that. Oh, you sang so well. Oh, you preached so well. Oh, is this your car? I celebrate with you. Hallelujah. Because you know that the one you trust, he doesn't have any issue with limited resources at all. The fact that he's blessing others does not mean he's stranded, he can't do your own. He's not like the government. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Or 
maybe some African parents who sincerely can't send you abroad now because your brother is already abroad. There are cases like that. We're talking about God. Are you with me? Listen, free your mind towards people. Wish them well. Pray for people. Don't think that your happiness is with anyone else. It's not based on their approval. It's not dependent on their failure. You know that secondary school thing where you see your result? You thought you were going to have 90. But then you saw 65, you are sad. Just as you're being sad, you now discover you were the highest. You had the highest score in the class. Then you feel vindicated. You're happy again. Why are you happy? Not because you passed as much as you wanted to, but because it has failed. It's a problem. I will tell you one last story and I'm done. In Solomon's regime, there were two women in the same house. They both have had young children. And one of them, when she was sleeping, rolled and laid upon her child. And the child suffocated and died. So she woke up in the night and swapped her dead child with the living child of the other one. And so when they brought the case to Solomon, both women were claiming they were the mother of the child. Solomon did something, something very powerful to learn from. He said, okay, call one of his soldiers. Come with a sword. Since both of you have insisted you want this child, divide the child into two. Give one half to this woman. Give the other half to this woman. The real mother of the child said, no. Don't worry. Give the child. I'm not interested anymore. The other lady, the wicked one, said, yes. Divide the child. Divide the child. Do you know what that teaches us? It means she didn't really care about the child. What happened to her when her child died is not, oh, I don't have a child to cater for anymore. She didn't care about that. She was just angry and jealous that now she has no child and the other lady has. And so if the solution is to kill the child, at least we are square. There are people like that. At least we are square. Kill the child. Divide the child. Do you know how wicked you have to be? A baby said divide the child into... There are people like that. It is, see, it is not what they have that gives them satisfaction. It's just, they just must have more than you. Many of us have become so ungrateful because of others. I mean, look at how far God has brought you. Your dad did not go to school. He, he did not have a rich, he was not from a rich home. But he sent you to a good school. He worked very hard. Sent you to a good school. And you are doing well. Doing well, better than anyone else in your family. But now, the school he struggled to send you to, you are comparing yourself with people who come from seven generations of wealth. And because of that, you are not thankful to God. Am I talking this morning? It's something to repent of. Something to repent of. You have a good job. The reason you're not happy is because someone has a better job. 
the Lord, by his spirit, has removed that nature from you. He has. So walk in a manner that is consistent with your nature. Learn to support others. Believe the best in people. Celebrate others. Praise the name of Jesus. Accept it when people are better than you. For your own good. You might need them. Ha! Get advice if you need to. Ask questions. Ask for help. Ask for help. It's a problem in this country. It's a problem. I remember in school, we had printed many devotionals in school. I think by my final year, we had at least 50,000 copies in print. At least. In fact, it should be more than that because there was a particular time we did 10,000 at once. Did 10,000 devotionals, gave it free. So I had learned so many lessons, made so many mistakes. And then I, I was seeing younger people coming up, they want to print, and they never asked me. And, you know, I'm looking at them making the same mistakes I made. And I said, Is this, does this make any sense? Just because you want to do your own, just because you don't want to ask. A wise person will say, oh, you've done this before. I want to do it. What should I, what lesson should I learn? Are you with me? And this is the most dangerous thing in life. When you are embarrassed to work on the things you are meant to work on. And so, time keeps passing, passing you by. And all the time you should have used to improve, you become stagnant. By the time you wake up to the reality, it's almost too late. The world has gone past you. Humble yourself. If God opens the mouth of a donkey to talk to you, you better do what? Just celebrate grace in others. Hallelujah. Because God, who is strong in your life, will be strong in other people's lives also. All right, what is number one? What is number two? What is number three? What is number four? What is number five? What is number six? What is number six? All right, celebrate the grace and others, right? Please rise to your feet. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000. Blessings.